I'm standing for the reading of God's Word from Matthew chapter 6, which is found on page number 811 in your pew Bibles, Matthew 6, page number 811. And at this time, the children, ages 3 to 8, are free to be dismissed with Miss Jana and maybe with Miss Kathy, too. I've called this morning's sermon what Jesus says about giving. And certainly he says more than just that we're looking at today. But these are the words of the Lord Jesus. If you've got uh, a, a certain type of Bible, then these are some words in red that are not more inspired than the other words. But they are the words of the Lord Jesus. So it's called what Jesus says about giving. In the context here, this is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And in chapter 5, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, what we learn is that true righteousness begins at the heart. It's, it's heart obedience that the Lord is after, not just um, sort of checking off the box and, and, and keeping the law, but it's heart obedience that, that the Lord is after for all of us. And then we get to chapter 6, and it's really more of the same. Nothing really changes. But the difference would be that in chapter 5, between chapter 5 and chapter 6, Chapter 5 is talking about heart obedience to commands, whereas chapter 6 is talking about obedience to Christian practices. And so that's why you, if you were to begin at chapter or verse 1 or in verse 2 here, you'd say, when you give. Then verse 5, when you pray. Verse 16, when you fast. And now back here at 19, again, talking about the concept of giving. So from Matthew chapter 6. Beginning in verse 19, I read, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Lord, please open our eyes that we might behold wonderful things from this your word through Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Should Christians save for the future? Should Christians plan for retirement, put money away for retirement? You watch any football these days on a Saturday and there it seems like it's just one after another. Retirement. Uh, commercial after retirement commercial. Is that right for Christians? Is it is it a sin to have a retirement fund, a, a financial plan of some sort to save for the future? Some people might look at this passage of Scripture and say, yeah, right there. It, it essentially says that you shouldn't be saving for the future or any sort of retirement fund. You give it away. You, you invest. You have treasure in heaven. But then there are other passages that indicate otherwise. For example, Proverbs, a couple of verses in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22 says that a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. 
Well, to do that, it's going to require some saving. Proverbs 21.20 reads, Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling. I like the old King James version on this one. There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. Of course, we remember Joseph in Egypt when he appointed folks to save 20% of the harvest for the years of famine that were coming. I think the reality is, for us as Christians, this is a tension in which we are called to live. I appreciate the saying, save all you can, give all you can. Because that presents the tension in which we're called to live in a very stark way. We should, as Christians, feel pulled in both ways. We want to be good stewards. We want to be wise. We want to provide for ourselves and our families and not make ourselves dependent on the government, for example, or others. And so we, it there requires this good stewardship and this saving, this planning. But at the same time, we want to give all that we can and indeed uh, invest in heaven. And if you only focus on one end of that continuum or the other, you're going to be a, a Christian who's out of balance. Either always saving and not giving or always giving and not saving. You might think, I don't know anybody like that. <laughs> I actually did know someone like that um, who gave just all the time and his family truly suffered because they he, he just didn't have any really for his family. So it, it, it can, believe it or not, happen. We're called to live in this tension. And Jesus, in this particular passage, is emphasizing the give all you can side of things. And what he says is that the goal is not accumulation, but distribution. The goal is not hoarding or keeping or, and I've coined a phrase here, hyper-saving, but giving. The goal is not holding on, but letting go. Now, to be sure, for us, treasures means more than just finances. It means your time. It means your gifts, your talents. And some don't have much in the way of finances to give, but they can give of their time or their talents. But for most of us, this means at a minimum <clears throat> our finances. And verse 24 indicates clearly here that Jesus is talking about money. So let me consider five things that Jesus says about not being a keeper, but instead being a giver. First of all, giving is obedience. Giving is obedience. To give is to obey God. As Jesus says here in verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Clearly, this is a command. And commands are given to obey. Now, my second point will note that Jesus does give us a reason why we should give. But my point here, this first one, is simply to remind you that it's a command of the Lord to give. And not to, stay, not to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth. Don't do it. Kind of, all right, there you go. That's it. Move on to the next point. But I did want to say one other thing about this. You know, each of us should not have to understand the reasons why we should obey God before we obey Him. 
You realize what you're doing if you require the reasons why one why you should obey God. Um, uh, you know you know what you're doing when you do that. You're making yourself the judge, sitting in the the judge's seat, determining whether or not God's commands are good or not. And if they make sense to you, if they're rational, well then I'll do it. Well, that's not obedience. That's just you doing what seems rational to do. It's obedience when you're like, I don't really understand why I should do that, but God says to do it, so I'll do it because He's in charge. He's the judge, not me. We've got to quit thinking that we know better. You know, so, so many times we're like the, the petulant child, you know, just whining, asking why, why, why. We, we've got to quit thinking we know better. Because we don't. We've got to quit whining. It says here, obey the, uh, we've got to obey the Lord. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Simple. Clear. Not necessarily easy, but very clear. Point number two, though, is an example of God in His very kind and generous and merciful condescension giving us a reason Giving is wise, number two. So giving is not only obedience, but giving is wise. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. In other words, the resources that are hoarded and kept don't have lasting impact. And that's the goal, eternal impact, to affect lives forever. And giving allows us to do that. Keeping, hoarding, hyper-saving does not. Jesus says that it's unwise to have your influence on the world limited to this world. Wisdom seeks to have a long-term impact. Giving has eternal ramifications. Now, another thing that I want to point out here about giving, not only is it wise, but it's wise because God is a loving, kind, merciful master. Verse 24, take a look at that. It says, you cannot serve God and money. We're going to serve one or the other. As Bob Dylan would sing. <laughs> you're going to serve somebody. If you serve money, you're serving an inanimate, unloving, unsympathetic God, little g, God. But if you serve the Lord, then you're serving a God who is infinite, eternal, unchangeable in His being. Wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth, intimately acquainted with all our ways, full of compassion and mercy. In other words, the Bible teaching, the Bible's teaching here that it's, it's stupid to serve money, to center your life around money. Giving is wise as well as obedience. Third, giving is fuel. Giving is fuel. 
giving us fuel for the heart, which is what we see in verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Giving directs the heart. Giving sends the heart in a certain trajectory. Another way to say it, your heart follows your checkbook. You get interested in, you become concerned about, you pay attention to things that get your money. I've never been much of an investor in stocks. I'm, I'm really good at buying high and selling low um, on the few stocks through the years that I've invested. So I just kind of get out of that because I don't think you're supposed to do it that way. So, but I have, you know, through the years, once or twice, bought some stock. Well, I don't ever look at the stock market right now because I'm, I'm not doing any investing personally. I guess some retirement funds are in, you know, stocks, but I'll let somebody else who's much smarter than me deal with that and they send me a report every quarter or whatever but the few times that i have done a little bit of investing in stocks it's like all of a sudden every day i wonder how that stock is doing oh it's going down again you know so but that's why why is it because this truth is inescapable where your treasure is there your heart will be also our hearts follow our finances it's the way god has wired the world and in that sense, I'm, I'm stepping back and saying something a little bit bigger and, 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 and broader here. That the physical affects the spiritual. Actions affect the heart. You know, for example, again, stepping back and just not think about giving here. But think about in a marriage, people will say, well, I just don't have any love for my spouse anymore. Well... Almost every counseling advice that I've given and, and been taught myself and hear others that, that, that will agree, they say, do the loving actions first and your heart will follow. That's what you do in a marriage where there's not the same warmth and tenderness and affection as there once was. You act like it. You do loving things and your heart will come along that's the way God has wired the world. Your heart follows your checkbook. If you, and, and, and actions affect physical, the physical affects the spiritual. So if you want a heart for the Lord, you give to the Lord. If you want a heart for the poor, you give to the poor. If you want a heart for the church, you give to the church. If you want a heart for whatever, you know, the football team, you give to the football team. Or whatever it is, your heart will always follow your checkbook. That's why I see giving is fuel. It's fuel for your heart. And then number four, giving is challenging. Giving is challenging, meaning when you give, it makes you ask questions. It makes you question things. You know, you've got here in verse 22, this enigmatic passage about the eye. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. You know, one way maybe to think about this is, you know, a flashlight that you use at night, it provides light and your eye then uh, lets in that light so you can see where to step. But if you've got all the light in the world, uh, you can have all the light in the world, but if your eye is bad, then you're not going to, the light's not going to get in and you're not going to see. The principle is when we see clearly, we can make wise decisions. Greed, hoarding, 
keeping is like a bad eye. And it messes up your ability to see well, to see things clearly. It messes up your ability to to see the world, to see uh, in a right way, to see your, your weaknesses in a right way. It hinders your ability simply to know how to live. As you give, it makes you think. And as you give, you're forced to ask, why am I doing this? And in a sense, by the work of the Spirit, as you're asking those questions and as you're washed with the water of the Word, then you start to see more clearly. At root, as you give, uh, it, it makes you deal with questions. Do I really believe in God? Do I believe that He is powerfully working in the world today? Do I believe that He's good and that he, he will meet all my needs? I mean, I would encourage you, and maybe many of you do this, you know, when you do put an offering in the offering plate, or when you write a check and send it in the mail, or you do it online and you support an organization or something like that, you know, add, add your prayer there. When, 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 I, when I do that, I put an offering in the offering plate, um, it's usually, Lord, I do this because you're worthy. Because this is proper and right. And you will provide all of my needs. So giving is obedience. Giving is wise. Giving is fuel. Giving is challenging. And then fifth and finally, giving is revealing. Giving reveals what's on our hearts. Giving reveals where our hearts are. And the reality is we're all giving. The question is, to whom are you giving? Verse 24 reads, No one can serve two masters, for he, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So we are either treasuring the Lord and His goals, or we're treasuring money and what it provides for us, which is essentially meaning that we're treasuring ourselves. Modern Christians... I, I, uh, certainly a temptation for me, and, and as I talk with others, I know it's the case with us that oftentimes we we don't really want a God so much that we that we have to serve. We want a God just to sort of keep us out of hell, you know, get, get us to heaven. But until then, we just want to use money to create a, a, a sort of a heaven on earth, a very comfortable, nice life for our, for ourselves here, or whatever. Verse twenty four teaches you can't have it both ways. You can't serve God in money. So how do you know which one you're serving? You look at how you're handling money. Whatever is first in your heart is going to be revealed by how you handle your finances. And giving, like I say here, reveals the heart. There's a shocking passage really in Acts chapter 2 where Peter preached... And then at the end of his preaching, in verse 21, uh, 41, we, we read these words. Then those who gladly received his words were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all those who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. I like the way one commentary 
uh, phrases this particular passage. We read, when we give, especially when we give so generously that we have to sell something to have anything to give, we show that Christ is our treasure and that we love others more than we love our own security and comfort. Everybody's treasuring something. The reality is whatever our soul treasures will we'll essentially pay anything to get it or to keep it, to keep from losing it. You know, I like to play golf, and if I really treasured being a good golfer, I'd have to invest so much more time, so much more money. If you treasure relationships, same thing. It's, it's gonna, there's going to be the price of time and money and emotional energy and conversation and all those things to value that relationship. Every treasure will insist that you die to purchase it. I mean, even the Lord Jesus, that, that's what it means to be a Christian. If you're going to treasure the Lord, you must die. And, and of course, I'm not talking about taking your own life, suicide, but you, your will must die. Your commitment to yourself must be nailed to the cross. But that death to self, it leads to life. Worldly treasure is a very cruel master. Worldly treasure demands your payment to it. But Jesus is the loving, kind master. Jesus is the one who died to purchase you. Jesus paid the ultimate price that he might have us as his treasure. Every treasure that's found or, or kept, attained in some way, every treasure requires a death. So my prayer today is that you and I both would be forever dying to self, dying to worldly treasures so that we might truly live. So is it a... A sin to have a retirement plan? No. Actually, everyone has a retirement plan. The question is, what kind of retirement plan do you have? I like one thing that John Piper said about this. He, he writes, one of, Most of the suggestions this world offers us for our retirement years are bad ideas. They call us to live in a way that would make this world look like our treasure. And when that happens, Jesus is belittled. So it's not a sin to save for retirement, but it is a sin to treasure that accumulation. To, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sin not to be in the giving or dis, distributing business. We're called not to hoard, not to keep, not to be hyper-savers, but to give. May that be the case for each of us. Let us pray.
Heavenly Father, please enable us all to think according to the Bible as we give. And, oh God, please make us all cheerful givers. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing as a hymn of response number 439.
the questions that we need to be asking ourselves are, do I really believe that Jesus is my Lord and Master and Savior? Can I truly with confidence say that I have been bought with the blood of Christ and now I belong to Christ in body and in soul? Does my life depict the worship of Christ? And if you said no to any of these questions, I will please ask you to refrain from partaking of this meal. But if you said yes, then please come to this table. You don't have to be a member of Third Presbyterian Church. You can be a member in good standing in any evangelical church that preaches and proclaims the worship of Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge you as our Lord and Savior, as our Master. Lord, indeed, we bow our heads, we bow our wills before, and we confess that we have indeed been bought with the blood of Christ, and therefore we are no longer our own. So, Father, we now ask that you would set apart this common element, Lord, that you would prepare them for us so that they would indeed grow us in faith, that they would indeed strengthen us, and Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, now please take a few moments to reflect on the death of Christ, and then I'll invite you to the proper time.
night on which the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took this bread and after giving thanks, he broke it, and then he gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, taking peace. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remain together. In the same manner, he then also took the cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Drink from it all of you. Let's come together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have indeed looked on us when we were slaves to sin and you were set us free. You made us slaves of righteousness and you made us into the bond servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, we now ask that you please cleanse us, that you strengthen our faith, that you help us to be good and faithful servants. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's now stand and sing together the apology. And now may the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly, and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. Amen. today to stimulate your thinking. I'd love a chance to get to know you a little bit better and have some conversation. Please feel free to reach out to me in whatever way is comfortable for you. You can come by the office or I'll buy you lunch or just a cup of coffee. Of course, you can always come by on Sunday mornings and we can meet face to face. Our new service time is 9.30 a.m.